and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full-on movie reviews from our nostalgic younger days. We give you reviews of TV shows from those times, and we do castings of either those shows, those movies, or whatever the fuck we want. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a summary episode for you. We are chock full of summer camp fun. We are going to review the 1995 Disney live-action film Heavyweights. We are going to review the 91 to 92 summer camp show Salute Your Shorts. And we're going to do a casting of a little favorite video game of ours called Curse of Monkey Island. I love that video game. It was still in my top, probably like top five video games of all time. Same. There's multiple games in that franchise but that one is my favorite it's not even the first one but it's my favorite one yeah it's the third of i think four maybe five but it was developed by lucas arts it's kind of like a i don't know how do you how do you sort of a problem solving game but yeah like like an adventure game but like you're going through it's like it's almost like a role-playing ish but you're like you have to kind of solve puzzles to to yeah to figure out what you have to do but it's all set in this sort of cartoony pirate world with these over-the-top characters uh it's a lot of fun and you can buy i think you can buy all of the versions on steam right now yeah they're not expensive no um, i remember yeah we had it i think it, and it was like you had to have like a windows 95 computer for it back in the day <laughs> i i yeah. Oh, man. I definitely love that game. All right. We'll talk about more about it later. Summer. Summer is upon us. We have got the heat. And by God, John and I live in very hot areas. We can tell you the heat is coming. Oh, it's been horrible. Oh, yeah. One of the favorite things that we had as kids was camp. Fuck, I loved camp. We didn't really do the go away for most of the summer or for a month camps. We didn't do really do the sleepaway camps because we were kind of poor. Uh, not really <laughs> poor, but we just, we didn't have, we didn't have the money. We kind of did day camps. Yeah. Just still camp was fantastic. And so we've got a, a movie, our movie and our TV show are based all around that. And it just, it makes me happy going back, thinking about my days as a young lad in Georgia going to camp with friends. I didn't really like camp that much. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? I would have rather been home playing video games. Okay. Okay. Uh, Take us a trip back in time, back to 1995. This is our third 1995 episode in a row, I believe. In a row. Is there anything left from that year for us? Oh, yeah. There's always stuff. The Grammy for Album of the Year that year went to an album I really actually like, but I have not listened to in a very long time, and that was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. It's like red. Yeah, yeah, they're turning that into like a Broadway play or something like that. I think. Are they like a like a rock opera or something like that? Maybe you know, they've done. That I don't with... know. They're doing yeah. that with everyone nowadays. So uh, we talked about that the Oscars Braveheart won, but at the Golden Globes, a period piece called Sense and Sensibility beat out both Braveheart and Apollo 13. 
wow. for movie for sort of dramatic <laughs> movie of the year, which I call bullshit. Yeah, that's a that's a load of crap. Definitely not better than either of those films. Yeah, Apollo thirteen. Uh, I, I I haven't seen it in forever, but I know it'll hold up. Like I am excited now. I really want to go back watch it. Anytime I see it on TV, I watch it. And I, as a man, I will admit this: it is one of the few movies where I kind of tear up at the end, even though I know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen every time. Yeah, it's just so dramatic. I said that exact same thing about Braveheart, and, and so you say that about Apollo 13. Yes. Uh, so 95 was the year of the man cry. Like, yeah. That's it, man. <laughs> Love it. Also, 1995, I believe, was the year of the famous O.J. Simpson trial. Wow. Good old O.J. Did you ever watch those, uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, like those, the documentary or the remaking that they did? No, because I actually watched the court proceedings. Yeah, so why the hell fine. would I need to watch them? <laughs> the documentary was very good. It was long, but very, very good. Right. Play Plenty of cool stuff back in 1995, and we might as well just get our summer on and get going into heavyweight. Summer, summer, summer time. Heavyweights from 1995 has got a kick-ass cast and crew. This movie was directed by Stephen Brill, who has directed a couple other things, probably most notably some work with Adam Sandler, including Mr. Deeds and Little Nicky. The movie was written by Stephen Brill, who also wrote Mighty Ducks, and most famously, this movie was also written by Judd Apatow, who wrote 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, he produced Freaks and Geeks, some other shows that I know we will get to down the line, including The Critic, he was a producer on that, producer on The Ben Siller Show, and then also a show that I think is highly underrated, which is The Larry Sanders Show, he was a producer on that, and I, I think that show is hilarious. I'm sure it was. I never got into it. Oh, you should you should watch it. If you have HBO Go or now, watch it. It is awesome. Jeffrey Tambor in it is freaking hilarious. Who Tambor's in this movie as well. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, Judd Apatow has, has a bunch of awesome stuff. Yeah. This film starred mostly, you know, kids, uh, but then also some, some bigger names. Aaron Schwartz plays Jerry, who's our main kid, kind of the new camper. He was also in Mighty Ducks. More recently has been in like Gossip Girl. He's looking good now. He is not the chunky little boy from the 90s that he was. He is like a lean, mean, good looking dude. If you see any recent pictures of Aaron Schwartz. So good job, Aaron. You took your time at Fat Camp seriously. So he's the Jerry O'Connell of the 90s. Yeah, very much so. What Jerry O'Connell did from after Stand By Me, Aaron Schwartz is doing the same. This film also starred Sean Weiss as Josh, who is kind of like the the mob boss, if you will, of (laughs) Camp Hope. And he was most famously Goldberg in the entire Mighty Ducks series. Mm -hmm. This movie also starred Kenan Thompson, who was in Mighty Ducks 2 and 3. So we've got some Mighty Ducks alumni here. But Kenan Thompson, he's probably, he's the biggest of those kids stars now. He was in all that, Kenan and Kel, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Plethora of stuff. He's uh, a big name for sure. I saw Keenan Thompson once. Just hanging around? Or did you like see him at a show like doing a comedy act? No, I was on my honeymoon. Oh, okay. I was on my honeymoon and... We were at a hotel in Vancouver, very nice hotel. We had uh, used up all of our clean clothes, and so we had to find the laundromat. And he was doing your laundry? Yeah. Oh my God, Keenan, no. things have come a lot far. No. We were sitting outside of the laundromat at a table playing Scrabble or something like that. A bunch of people with holding a bunch of guitars walked by, and I looked up, and he was in, he was in the middle of the group. And he, I, I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I just nodded at him, and he nodded at me, and that was it. 
Nice. I think I bet stars like, you know, or those kind of guys appreciate just like the simple, oh, I know who you are. And then the nod back as opposed to the, oh, my God, it's Kanan Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got that impression of sort of like I nodded at him like, OK, I know who you are and go about your day, sir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, a little bit different than your Neil Flynn story that you told us about yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The main adult, Pat Finley, is played by a guy, Tom McGowan. He's our main camp counselor. He hasn't really done too much else. But some other, like, pretty damn big names in this film include Tim, the skinny, nerdy camp counselor. That's Paul Feig, who, Paul Feig, you probably best know him as a writer or director or producer, and he worked on projects like Freaks and Geeks. He also directed Bridesmaids, and he wrote that, as well as Spy and multiple other, like, Melissa McCarthy things, which his stuff, I think, is pretty damn funny, so. Yeah. I was shocked when his name came up, and I'm like, oh my god, he's acting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We cannot go without talking about Ben Stiller, obviously, who plays Tony Perkis. Ben Stiller, everybody knows him, Zoolander, etc. Yeah. This role is, like, one of his early defining roles for me. Again, full disclosure, I'd never seen this movie. Oh, shit. Oh, that gets me excited. Fuck, I hope you didn't. Oh, fuck, we'll see. We'll we'll talk about it. (laughs) My only thought, sort of as I was watching this movie, is it's dodgeball. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I was going to talk about this later, but we'll just bring it up now. Yeah. I mean, this came out, obviously, way before Dodgeball. Right. Or probably, like, nine years or so or whatever before Dodgeball. Ben Stiller 100% just took this Tony Perkis character yeah. and changed him into the guy from Globo Gym. And, and that it is it is the exact same person. Yeah, 100%. It, it really is the same. It's the same set. It's sort of yeah. the same setup. He was fat when he was a kid, and then he got healthy, and he's... It basically is the same character uh, and works in both situations. So also with Ben Stiller, I want to shout out a cameo of the Bushkins. They are the original owners of Camp Hope. And we'll I guess we'll get to them pretty soon. They are played by Ben Stiller's actual parents, Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira, Mm -hmm. which they're a very famous like older comedy duo. And, you know, they're fantastic. Jerry Stiller, you know, as George's father from Seinfeld. Yeah, I think it's awesome that they were kind of all in a movie together. Well, they often appear in Stiller's movies. Yeah, because in Zoolander, they were both in Zoolander. Um, Jerry played the mentor guy in Zoolander. But and Mira was in it, but only briefly. She was the one who throws the animal guts on Mugatu. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I remember that now. So this movie, I feel like it's a bit of a cult classic now. It has a good director, a good writer, good, really good writers, a solid cast. Like, it's got a lot of stuff going for it, I feel. Right. We start off, it's the end of school, and we see a young Jerry Gardner. He is starting his summer. We get just quick, funny little things about, we see he's not athletic. He's obviously a chubby kid. But we get this great song playing in the background, a song called Closer to Free by the Bodines. This movie has a really good soundtrack, in my opinion. A very good 90s soundtrack. Yes. So it just it just feels very 90s, I feel. And because of those songs, it just drops me right back in <laughs> into that world. Yeah, I did I did sort of get, especially when I heard the Bodines. Yeah. Uh, that, that really dated it. 
<laughs> you don't hear too much about the Bodines anymore. No. When Jerry gets home, his parents have this guy who shows him this video about Camp Hope, who that actor is Tim Blake Nelson. Mm-hmm. He's been in tons of stuff, a very good character actor. He's yeah. been a bunch of, um, we probably both best know him from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. He's kind of in the trio. Yeah, he's in the trio. We see this video and it looks a lot of fun. There's go-karts. We meet the Bushkins in it. We see Jerry's actually kind of like, oh, getting kind of excited. And then the bomb drops that it's a fat camp. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pat Finley. I've been coming here since I was 10 years old. You want to know why? Because Camp Hope is the fun way to lose weight. Right, guys? It's a fat camp. And he is not happy. He <laughs> does not want to. He's not want to go. I don't blame him. No. He is like, hell no, I, I'm, I'm not doing that. Although everything they showed in the video actually looked like a lot of fun. Exactly. I mean, that would have been a fat camp I would have liked to go to. <laughs> Funny enough, we cut right to the plane. His ass is going. Uh, the stewardess funnily kind of gives him these pair of wings that kind of comes back later on. The wing pins for if you're a first time flyer kind of thing. Yeah. And we meet our first other camper we meet is Roy Keenan Thompson. And he's very blunt. It's a funny scene when he first meets Jerry calling him out that he's fat and this guy next to him is fat and is probably his dad. I always I always like that scene. <laughs> Headed to the back camp. Oh, why do you say that? Because you're fat. We then meet Pat when they all have kind of like landed. Uh, Pat drives up in the big Camp Hope bus. I love his little line as he pulls up. He says, Excuse me, I'm looking for several portly adolescents. That's us. <laughs> it's just like, there's a yeah, a lot of little, little lines here in this film that, that make me happy. One thing is kind of interesting, and I always thought it was weird when I was a kid, when the bus is driving into the camp, I don't know if you caught this, there's a very brief, like a, just a couple seconds of, as they're pulling in, one of the kids is standing kind of at the gate. Yeah. And it's just like, then boom, this ominous music takes a turn. It happens. And he just kind of like is shaking his head. And then it, then right after that, it goes right back to being happy. Yeah. So it's just like a little inclining of there's some foreshadowing of something like foreboding and bad is going to be happening. Yeah, which kind of I found a little weird because everyone seemed to be happy to be at the camp. Uh-huh. There was nothing to lead you to believe. And this is this is someone who had never watched it before. Yeah. I mean, it made sense to me because I know what was coming. and But you may not have. Well, I know. No, but what it made me feel was the camp had always been like that because it, it gave you the ominous uh. feeling like the camp was always a concentration camp for fat kids. Whew. And hyperbole I, much? <laughs> I know, which ma- made it weird for the for Keenan Thompson's character to be like, "Yeah, you're gonna love it," because mm-hmm. it. I mean, unless the kid that kid knew what was coming, because it was a shock to everyone, including yeah. the staff, when the when the turn happened. So it, it didn't make too much sense in context, but in knowing the entirety of the story or watching it again it just acts as a little bit of foreshadowing it's not really the kid knew anything about what was going to happen or any of that kind of stuff i'll allow it but yeah i can i can see where you're coming from because it comes out of nowhere yeah so we're in camp we meet tim pretty quickly who's the skinny paul feig and we also meet julie who's like the new camp nurse and she's a little cutie and it's obvious right away that pat feels awkward around her and she's going to be the love interest for pat we get to the main bunk that jerry's going to be at which is called the chipmunks we meet josh aka goldberg (laughs) As I mentioned before, he is he's very much like the New York mob boss (laughs) who's who's at this camp. He's the first one who calls out Jerry. He still had his like wings on Mm -hmm. that the stewardess gave him, which is just kind of funny. It's just a running gag. They keep calling him captain in and out throughout the movie. And it comes back a little bit at the end of the film, but nothing crazy. And we get kind of a cute, fun montage of, you know, hey, we're at fat camp. But all these fat kids bring candy and bad snacks. And Josh says, Chipmunks, download now. (laughs) 
and all their bad food kind of like in a sped up montage of everybody putting that food in a hiding place to, for camp. And and the lengths they went to to smuggle it into the camp. Yes, yeah, it's complete with all kinds of candy and a kid who strapped salamis on his back. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, his, his name in the film is Salami Sam, which actually, unfortunately, that kid passed away not too long ago. Oh, really? Like yeah. he, he is only like 35, 36, passed away in his sleep. Ooh. Yeah, it was, it was pretty recently. And I remember Judd Apatow tweeted about him not that long ago, so pretty unfortunate. Fat Camp didn't work for him like it did Aaron Schwartz. Uh, very unfortunate. I didn't mean to make a joke about that. That was but. horrible. But moving on from that sad story, uh, here we get like a quick montage of the blob, which is this big thing that will kind of like launch you as an inflatable that will launch you up in the air. It just look like a lot of fun for a kid's camp. But we get to like this opening night meeting. We meet the Bushkins live and in person. Jerry Stiller, I just, God, he's good in everything. Yeah. And he knows, obviously, he knows what the hell he's doing and how to how to be comedic. He says this story about that they're bankrupt. They're no longer the owners. There's a fantastic line when he's when they're just about to walk away. Jerry Stiller comes back to the mic and he says, never let anyone sign your checks. <laughs> he walks, and he walks back away. I just, I, I love him. I mean, it's hard for me not to think of him as George's dad from Seinfeld. I mean, he's he's just, he plays that kind of character. So I was going to say, I, I have a, a fan theory that I just now made up that he basically is the same character in everything he does. It's just one guy. It's just this one yeah, guy throughout his life. You know, he's got different wives or different parts of his life. Yeah, it could make totally make sense. As they are gone, we get some fanfare, some lights, music, and in comes Tony Perkis. Now it's time to meet a new owner and operator. Tony Perkis is a man who believes in you. His life is dedicated to saying things like, yes, and you better believe it. Entrepreneur, a motivator, and a new friend. May I introduce Tony Perkis? Oh, Ben Stiller is being like super perky mm-hmm. and like, you know, over the top. He's just ridiculous. As I as we mentioned before, if you ever watch Dodgeball, it's the same kind of guy. He's almost sort of like, it's almost a little 80s. He's kind of like that big hair and he's like got the suit with the colors on it. Yeah, like kind of almost like a tracksuit kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but he took like a lot of coke and that kind of <laughs> stuff where, you know, he sniffed a little too much and his lines are just fantastic. I don't even know how to explain it. I absolutely love his character just from what it brings to the the film yeah so at the end of that little whole demonstration that that he puts on that the camp is just not not buying right now we then cut back to the chipmunk bunk and we meet lars who is the new counselor of the chipmunk bunk no longer is pat gonna be the counselor he's demoted to gardener and janitor yeah uh but we can tell here it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard camp for these kids john it's not gonna be just the easy fun loving camp that they thought they were gonna get the shocking turn they wake up to a nice melody the calming sounds of tony perkis's voice wake up campers it's a glorious morning today is evaluation day the key word here is value do you have any not yet but by the end of the summer this camp is going to be filled with skinny winners basically we find out that he's trying to make an infomercial <laughs> he he bought this camp so he can like turn it into a tony perkis system workout video kind of thing yeah we get a little like montage of the kids exercising poorly we see them weighing in another fun montage we get the song la freak by chic just playing while they're falling on their asses and not actually exercising properly Freak out. Oh, freak out. 
a scene that I think is fun is right after this, we get Lars is kind of running at the, on the lake and he's like shoving kids into the lake and he's trying to hit on Julie at the same time. Yeah. We get some funny different lines from Lars. Well, don't worry, I have them on the body system. Body system? Yeah, have a look. At first, I thought he was screaming body. Yeah, which is, I think, what Julie thought, too, originally. Okay, all right, that yeah, was intentional, accent. then. Yes, that was intentional. Okay. Because of his accent, John. Okay. He's German. He's German. He's German, yeah. And here we then meet Camp MVP, who is kind of the antagonist. I mean, the antagonist that isn't named Tony Perkis. I mean, they're very much like the snotty kids from Sandlot, mm-hmm. who are like, you know, the, the rich kids next door who are all good at sports and all that kind of stuff. But it's like this baseball and sports camp that's kind kind of around them. They come over to play baseball uh, with Camp Hope and they whoop their asses. Yeah. Like absolutely destroy them. After them getting their asses kicked, Tony comes into the chipmunk camp. Here he finds their hidden candy and their bad food he's he's just being he's just being over the top trying to make sure these kids lose their weight so he can make his money but one thing i want to point out is he's frisking i think it's roy at one point and he finds pez in his leg like a pez dispenser yeah and he unloads the pez but instead of like regular candy pez sounds the editor put in unloading of a gun sound yeah. and like dropping of bullets yeah. <laughs> it is it's overly dramatic it's, it's silly it's stupid i mean this whole film is it's silly yeah. It's a silly kind of stupid film. It's over the top. It's not like one that you have to believe completely because you know nobody. There should never be a Tony Perkis out there. If there is a Tony Perkis out there, dear God, help us. Save us all because I couldn't live with a Tony Perkis in real life. Oh, God. Another fun line that I like that Tony says, he tells Jerry at one point, Anyone who brings candy into this camp is not your friend. He is a destroyer. <laughs> Everything about him is just ridiculous. And then here we get kind of Josh kind of stands up to Tony a little bit, makes fun of him, you know, says the candy all belongs to Seymour Butts, making uh-huh. fun of Tony. And Tony doesn't like it. And the next morning, Josh is gone. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> exactly. Where the fuck? He's nowhere to be seen. Uh-oh. What the fuck? Jerry is distraught. He is like, oh my God. He, he knows this is going to be bad. Everything with Tony is not going well. And so he writes a letter to his grandma, tells her that they killed the blob. <laughs> Terrible. You know, just little dramatic kids letters from camp each day we get a little bit of an increased tony insanity yeah if you notice like he starts off almost like trying to be motivational and then he just gets nuttier and nuttier and nuttier the first here like one of our another earlier signs of tony cancels lunch for the kids yeah. it's, it's just like oh shit the real spot for me is when you see tony on this bed of nails yes and lars is breaking ice on his on his abs this is the 18th level of the Perkins system you'll all be doing this by labor day all right, do it to it, Lars. It's my honor, Tony. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, fuck this guy. He's going to hurt somebody. Yeah. Tony sets up a dance with a neighboring girls camp. Pretty much to just humiliate the boys to try to get them to lose weight. Yeah. We see Pat trying to flirt with Julie. He's not doing a good job. In a fantastic scene that I know I related to, you see a very cute girl kind of walking. You know, they're doing the classic girls on one side, boys on the other. Right. That's just how it works when it comes to like middle schoolish kind of dances. Or Yep. And you see this very cute girl walking over to the boys and they're all excited. They think something's happening. They're getting some feelings downstairs. And she walks over and she asks, Do you know where the bathroom is? 
And then they, they all kind of part and point out of the bathroom. But I mean, who didn't who didn't have like a situation like that where they thought a super cute girl was going to talk yeah. to you? It really was just that no. girl in that scene is a girl named Lauren Hill, not to be confused with the singer Lauren Hill. But I reckon not, gra- not, not Grammy winning yes. Lauren Hill. I recognized her from photo ads and commercials. She was a model. OK, I reckon <laughs> I was like, oh, I recognized her. And as soon as I looked her up, I'm like, yep, I know exactly who that was. <laughs> That's funny. Because I, I remembered her from like, you know, like, I don't know, Calvin Klein ads or something like that from the 90s and stuff like that. You know, with all of the sadness that's going on, Tim, our fun little nerdy, quirky Tim, has had enough and he gets out there. The fantastic song Love Machine comes out. Tim hops onto the dance floor. He's just going fucking crazy, just dancing, being stupid. Eventually, Pat and Julie join in, and and he's actively trying to save the dance, and he does. Everybody starts dancing. They start having fun. The way Tim starts dancing when he first goes out there. It's just the craziest thing. It's just, yeah, it's maybe not quite Elaine from Seinfeld dance bad, but it is, he's flailing around. Yeah, it's up but there. But it is funny. Tony stops and turns the lights on pretty much right away after people are starting to have fun. But one thing I need to point out, this was a very important scene for me, uh-huh. was at the end when everybody's starting to disperse, you see Salami Sam and one of the girls from the girl camp starts like making out yes. right in the middle of the floor. I noticed that. Yes. And that was important to me because I was a fat kid (laughs) and I'm still a fat kid. And I, for 100%, that scene made me think, I can get a girl. Even the fat kid can make out with a cute girl. So you know what? That that helped me. It made me feel really good that I could like, I can do that. Give you the confidence you needed. (laughs) Yes, it did. So if Salami Sam, who straps fucking salamis to his back, can get a cute girl by dancing and just being silly, I can do that too. So thank you, Salami Sam. You definitely, that scene in particular, I always remember that the chubby guy gets to make out with a cute girl and that that one absolutely made me feel happy and also it kind of made me want to be an actor because as even as a fat guy you get to kiss cute girls so it's just like for half a second I was like shit should I become an actor <laughs> when I saw that I wondered if that was like something that was intentional or if one of them was like you know it would be funny if we made out during this scene and and they just kind of did that because it, it almost looks like it was it wasn't planned I wish that would be the case I don't know but you know they're kid actors so I'm kind of doubting that their improv skills were that high you know it's funny even though I'd never seen this movie before I actually have a connection to this movie a friend of mine in see this was 95 so it would have been about 8th or ninth grade for me about the time that they started filming this I actually had a friend who auditioned for this movie who was doing a lot of acting stuff back when we were young and he specifically was telling me about this audition as he was going through it I think he made it past the first round of auditions but didn't make it past the second round Mm -hmm. or so because I remember hearing about this movie from from him saying I, yes. I tried I was trying out for this movie about kids who go to a fat camp yeah <laughs> and then he told me later that it was heavyweights oh nice we now get a little scene at night of Jerry and Pat are in like at the gold coat area Tony had previously sabotaged them so they're not working and that's really one of the main things that Jerry loves and he wanted to try and do go-karts we see Pat just kind of showing some fatherly skills 
a little bit. He's like pushing Jerry on the go-kart and it's just a cute little scene. It just kind of also reinvigorates like, oh, hey, these go-karts are something that Jerry really likes and maybe those will come back again to us later. Yeah. Later that night, Josh has come back. The guy who Tony mysteriously made disappear has now come back and he's been lobotomized. Like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Uh, But it was just a joke. I mean, (laughs) eh. it's just funny. Josh being stupid. I mean, basically he calls out that his dad's a lawyer and he was going to sue Tony's ass for not giving a refund. So that's why he's back in camp. Uh, The kids have now had enough of not having their candy. And so so they want to try and sneak into Tony's office to try and find the candy that he stole from them that they were hiding and illegally took into camp. Tony is off doing like his morning run, which has some fantastic just like music in the background. It it fits Tony so well. It's just got like these quick drum beats, like kind of tribally beats, but like as Tony's running and it's just like high energy stuff. It's awesome. My absolute most quoted line, I think, in this entire film comes from Tony running. And I don't know if you caught this. He's running and he sees this log on the ground and he says, Come on, you devil log. And he picks it up and starts <laughs> running with it all the time. I say, I mean, maybe not all the time, but that line at least like enters my head often enough. Like I love come here, you devil log. It just makes me so happy. I don't know. I don't know why that line stuck out to me. It just always has. I must have missed it because I don't remember that. So, oh God, it's, it's I mean, I, I, I've seen this movie a lot. I mean, I own this movie on Blu-ray. I've seen it <laughs> okay. enough times. Yeah. So it's one that I enjoy for sure. When the kids are in Tony's office they find the letters that they were trying to send home and it just further shows that tony is fucking crazy and he is withholding these kids letters to their parents so they couldn't tell anybody how bad it is or right tony makes his way out. there's a cute little scene they barely squeak out of his office in time as tony comes back and then we get a little scene of basically like like a prison the boys are making deals with one of the guards for food we get a montage a fantastic perfect song i want candy by bow wow wows They're doing like this, you know, exchange of money for candy, just like any prison would do. Which I find interesting because that song is not about candy. No. (laughs) What's it about? Sex. Oh. (laughs) But they say candy. Yes. Candy. Candy in the song is the euphemism for sex. I always thought it was candy. No. It literally (laughs) means sex. The controversy over that song is that the lead singer of Bow Wow Wow at the time that this song was released was 15 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Ha! Wow. A little playa. Uh, yeah, totally new context for that song now and, <laughs> and knowing that a little fact too. Interesting. Well, now Tony has all the kids do a new weigh-in. We saw a weigh-in much earlier in the film and so now he wants to do a weigh-in and get this on tape so he can then sell it for millions upon millions of dollars because obviously these kids are going to lose weight. But we just saw this montage of them eating a fuck ton of candy and right. that they've been doing that stuff. So we get to the weigh-in. It's funny i mean tony's upset like everybody weighs more now than they did then and he decides that he's gonna force these kids to go on a 20 mile hike so we get a very short scene of pat and jerry basically motivating themselves that they want to take down tony and they want to like end this shit because it's just getting too crazy and the next day tony starts 
the boys off on their hike. He tell, tells him this weird story about the story of Icarus, but he kind of, he mixes it up. He says it's a wax ball pushing up a hill, which the ball up a hill is the story of Sisyphus. Yeah. Not Icarus. And then he got too close to the sun and it melted, which was like a mix between the two because Icarus had the wings that melted in the yeah, sun. Yeah, it just kind of proves that he really doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't feel like I'm doing Ben Stiller enough justice. Like all I'm talking about is how over the top he is or whatnot, but there's little, there's nuances in his insanity yeah. in the film, I feel, that just I can't explain in a podcast. <laughs> you I mean, just, if you, you just kind of have to see it. I mean, we mentioned it before, but if you liked the movie Dodgeball, you will like this movie. If you liked Ben Stiller in Dodgeball, you will like this yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely. We get to a stop on their hike. Tony's doing yoga. It's just kind of funny. He's saying some stupid shit, you know, stupid kind of like yoga poses. And then he really shows like how further he is off the deep end. He jumps onto a fucking tree branch dangling over a cliff. And so the boys here realize like, oh my God, this guy, this guy might kill us if (laughs) if he's going to make us do shit like that. So they take like a meditation break. They ask him if he can do a sit up. (laughs) I love this line too. They say, is it possible to do a sit up if you can't see or hear? (laughs) <laughs> yes, Roy, it is possible. Here they obviously have a plan that they're trying to, to enact. And then he says the line, There's so many myths about the abdominal muscles. I'm happy to put this one to rest. <laughs> yeah, the little nuances, those little lines um, that I probably picked up on before, but like I really pick up on now. I just really, really like. Yeah. Ultimately, they put Josh's fat ass in front of Tony and then make Tony chase his Josh. And they kind of trick Tony to fall into this little pit. So they've captured Tony. Now, officially, they have taken over the camp, pretty much. Jerry gets Tim and Pat and Julie and shows them that they've taken over the camp and Tony is basically Tony's now a POW like that's exactly what they do he's a prisoner of war they have him trapped in like this electric fence and at first Tim Pat and Julie are against the whole idea but then they kind of like they very quickly turn into being like yeah fuck it this guy's kind of nuts we'll <laughs> we'll we'll keep him as a prisoner another quick funny scene of Lars and the other counselors they have them tied up to a tree and they squirt honey on Lars's chest and tell him that a bear will come and eat him what's <laughs> all the bears in these woods, Lars. I doubt that you'll be seeing much of anything. Bears love honey. Honey. A millisecond later, he's screaming his head off and we're like, oh, fuck, maybe he's dead. And it's a cute deer licking honey off of his yeah. chest. Mm. He's a baby. They end up like untying Lars and he's just kind of like, he's he's a, he'll do whatever. I tell you what, though, a bear may not be a realistic threat, but you know what would be a realistic threat? Ants. Oh, an- oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Especially, think about especially that. <laughs> tied to a tree with like honey on your chest. Oh, my God. He would get bit so bad. That's that's a good torture. Wow. Yeah. That is that is. I didn't think about that, but that totally could have fucked him up. <laughs> so now with everybody tied up and taking over the camp, the entire camp goes on a fucking bender. <laughs> you get the fantastic use of the song Blue Danube by Johann Strauss. Yeah. And everybody is just binging like crazy on bad food and going nuts. It looked like a like heaven for a fat kid. I can tell you I wish. <laughs> oh, and I'm doing the paleo diet now to try and try and lower some of my weight. And I'm just like, God damn it. I just want to shove marshmallows and chocolate sauce in my face just like they did ah yeah yeah in the morning pat kind of wakes up wakes them up from their from their bender from their hangover their sugar hangover they're all just passed out on the ground around where the fire was i i've been to some alcoholic parties like that before this one was like a sugar and fat based party just like that so i can see what they were going for you know here now that they're taking over and they can do it on their way they kind of decide that they want to finally start stepping up on their own you know we get little montage where they're you know get some good music and they're gonna like start walking you know do do their own like power walking and start to like actually change for the better 
Well, what got me was that you get this impression like they're going to start running. Yeah. And then they go and then they're power walking. And the, it's and power like the, walk, yeah. the over, overuse of like the, like the wide hip to left to right movement you see power walking too and they're all overdoing it that was actually kind of a cute surprise yeah because you're like oh look at these these fat guys are gonna run oh wait no they power walk yeah. funny it's parents day now so parents from people are coming to check out their kids at the camp and our campers decide to show the their parents this little video of what actually has been happening at the camp and that it's hell and that tony has been a dick to the kids and you see little videos of that my grandma runs fast Simultaneously, though, Tony very ingeniously uses some aluminum foil from a potato that he got for his dinner, and he fashions a fake Hershey kiss. And he coaxes this guard, Nicholas, who's from England, which I thought was pretty smart that they used him as the guard because his parents wouldn't fly over from England for Parents' Day. Right. And so that's why he would be the guard. It totally makes sense. He falls for it. <laughs> and Tony's just being funny as hell. And Tony ends up escaping. Tony, looking crazy as fuck, interrupts the video and jumps down from like the rafters. He's starting to like throw broken glass on the floor to show how strong he is and stepping on it. He's ridiculous. Jeffrey Tambor, Jerry's father's there he ends up punching him and then in a kind of a weirdish scene tony like backflips himself and slips and then concusses himself on, on, on a wall <laughs> didn't make much sense but tony's kind of like now out of it yeah. we cut to tony's father who obviously you know, the lighting king fixture uh, king or whatever he is and also played by Tony by ben stiller yeah he ends up putting pat in charge because he's been there the longest and and everyone wants to stay they don't they don't want their money back they don't they want to keep going and stay in camp because they like the camp for a brief period you know camp turns around it's fun again and here we start the apache relay we kind of had some uh, a couple droplets of what is the apache relay earlier in the film and it's really just this thing that camp mvp comes over and kicks their ass in every year Mm -hmm. it's just like this like a relay race kind of with different different obstacles or uh events so they get that started things like they start off with like a potato sack race and then you move on and it's just kind of like a relay and camp mvp and their athletic abilities start them off very high in the lead but camp hope they're named camp hope for a reason they start to catch up. There's hope for them. You get some other things that they're good at, like shaving a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Hall of Intelligence is actually where they fully catch up. The MVP is just kind of funny. I guess the, the jocks aren't that smart. Yeah. And there, so it's a dead heat going into the last bit, which, of course, the last thing is go-karting. It's Jerry's thing that he's wanted to do, and he hasn't really driven. And this is his chance to kind of be the main driver. Cute little scene of, like, say, an I.I. captain and them sending Jerry off on his last race because uh, he's got his little wings with him. Don't forget your wings, man. Take them down, Cappy. It kind of throws back to the beginning. They have a very dramatic back and forth go-kart race where Jerry's in the lead and then the camp MVP guy's in the lead and he's kind of being like a dick and pushing and using his cart to, to hit Jerry's cart and shit like that right. as, as a villain would in this kind of scene. Um, and then in ultra dramatic fashion on, on the final jump, Jerry hits like this lever, gets some extra boost and leaps over the other guy's cart. Which was so unrealistic because the boost was the a fan. A propeller. <laughs> a propeller from the uh, boat yeah, motor. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's not it's not how those work no. <laughs> but hey they won the apache relay and the apache cup they throw into the lake in just a dramatic fashion of we don't give a fuck about this thing pat kisses julie in a very cheesy fucking line you're crazy you bet i'm crazy oh, crazy about my gal 
It's the best summer of Jerry's life, and it ends with a very, very cheesy song called Camp Hope Concerto. Camp Hope, Camp Hope, the place for boys. We got no girls, we got no toys. The bunks are hard, but cabin's hot. Last night a snake crawled in my butt. Make sure the shower door is shut. Or else mosquitoes bite your butt. And don't swim past when your friends made a warm spot in the lake. All right, guys, make it, hang it. Please give us food, we're starving in a rotten mood But still we're hanging with our friends So we hope summer never ends Which was actually written and performed by Paul Feig and oh. the campers. Yeah, that was Paul Feig singing. Huh. I was a chubster as a kid. This movie really gravitated towards me, or I gravitated towards this film, because I was a chunky monkey. I was a lard ass. I was the fat boy as a kid. Not like always the big, big fat boy, but like I was always the chubby one in like our family when we were younger, right. at least. I related to this film, you know, it's, it's a bunch of large kids, but they're having a fun time. They're having a good adventure. Watching this movie again, I really picked out some very just good, interesting lines that I definitely didn't notice when I was younger. I picked up a lot more on everything that Ben Stiller said I thought was hilarious because (laughs) he just gives a fantastic performance and he like the little nuances that I'm not doing justice. I appreciated all of that. It's definitely not a perfect film. It's definitely a dated film, you know, with some of the music that it has. I definitely think if you liked it as a kid, you could go back and watch this movie again and you could enjoy it. It's not one that you want to, you need to watch every single year, but it's one like, you know, every, every four or five years, pop it in and and you will enjoy it. If you liked it before, I think you'll like it again. But what I'm not so sure about is if you didn't have that nostalgia factor, would you care for it? Let me know. I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> because I fully went in not expecting to like it. And you're right. It's not a perfect film. And I think if maybe I had watched it when I was a little bit younger, when the movie came out, I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. It's hard to say because I didn't watch it. I was pleasantly surprised at how fun I thought it actually was. Nice. Um, I don't think I need to go back and watch it again. But if down the road my kids wanted to watch it, I would sit and watch it with them. It's not one that I thought was so bad that I would never watch it again, which I can't say for all of the movies that we've done here that I had not seen before, which I probably will never watch. (laughs) I have a love for the movie Dodgeball, and so having that same character be in this, I think, helped me. Helped me to kind of transfer. Was it it fun to be like, oh man, this is obviously where he got that character? Yes, that that part of it. And I recognized a lot of the actors and stuff from from little Mm -hmm. things. So I, I did have a lot of fun watching this movie i probably won't i won't watch it by myself uh maybe in a group if they're watching it or my kids want to watch it but i don't think it was as bad it was not nearly as bad as i thought it was going to be and i would actually venture to say if i was going to give it like a i don't know a grade or something like that mm-hmm. i give it like a like a b minus oh yeah so yeah that's holds up it's a passing that's a good passing grade yeah it was funny it had lots of poignant moments and it is dated and the context is a little out for me but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie i overall i thumbs up i liked it Woohoo! yay because this is one i suggested that makes me happy <laughs> this is definitely one of my you know favorites as a kid good way to go yay the fat kids did it you won again <laughs> <laughs> To keep the summer camp theme going, we are going to review 
the early 90s show Salute Your Shorts. This show ran on Nickelodeon from 1991 to 92. It only had 26 episodes. For me, I feel like I remember this was my show. I don't remember you really watching it, but maybe you did. I did. I watched it a lot. Okay, I couldn't couldn't remember. There was always a block where it was like Salute Your Shorts and Hey Dude back to back. And we watched both of those and I will will definitely get to Hey Dude down the line. Salute Your Shorts was like, yeah, just a a fun little like ensemble cast. Funny enough, I, I saw just doing a little research, this was apparently based on a 1986 book called Salute Your Shorts Life at Summer Camp by a guy named Steve Slavkin and Thomas Hill, but I had never heard of those books or read those books. Huh. It's set in a fictional camp called Camp Onawana. I love love that name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's a slurred version of the words I don't wanna. Oh yeah, I don't wanna. <laughs> okay all right i guess that kind of works that kind of ties in the cast was the main counselor and kind of like the the quote-unquote wet blanket of the show who kind of like he would always like end the fun was kevin better known as ug lee which i i 100 had no idea why he was called ug i didn't get it until probably like way much more more recently probably much more recently than i should have i should have understood that they called him ug because his last name was lee and ugly you get it ug lee i do now I hadn't gotten that <laughs> until just now. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Like, it, it took me a lot longer until like either was randomly looking up credits or something probably like five years ago. I saw that and I was like, oh, oh, that's why his nickname is Ugg. <laughs> he was played by an actor named Kirk Bailey, who hasn't really done too much else, you know, v- live action wise but he does he does some voice work now yeah nothing too huge but like yeah he's kind of that's what that's how he makes his living the character of donkey lips was done by a guy named michael bauer who has done plenty of smaller roles he has the look that i recognize the most and i remember there was this commercial and i I think it was either something like mountain dew or i can't even remember what the hell it was for maybe surge even Mm -hmm. but it was like michael bauer dancing in front of a car with like a shit ton of like speakers going on this was this was much more recently uh-huh. this was probably like came out in like the last 10 years and michael bauer did not lose any weight he's a big guy yeah. i remember seeing the commercial like holy shit that's donkey lips <laughs> and it's just donkey lips yeah. going crazy dancing in front of this car probably the the best role you'd know him from other than this would be uh from evolution oh yeah 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 i mean that that the, the david duchovny movie yeah i love that donkey movie lips. I just found it. All I all I typed in Google was Donkey Lips commercial and it popped up. It was a commercial from 2008, so about so 10 years ago, during the Super Bowl and it was for Amp Energy Kickstart. <laughs> so it was for like an Amp Energy drink yeah. and you can watch Donkey Lips dancing around like like crazy. <laughs> the other like mainish character is Budnick, Bobby Budnick and kind of his the bully. name is The Bully. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. He's I mean, he was still like kind of ish friends with people, but he's mostly like the jerk, the bully yeah. for sure. That actor is Danny Cooks who he also has kind of moved on to voice work and he mostly does a lot of voice work with some some bigger stuff he's where he's worked on some bigger voice projects so cool for them everyone else has either kind of like moved on from acting or isn't doing too much cooksey famously was in terminator 2 oh yeah he's the kid he played uh john connor's friend yeah that's right he was yeah kind of like the asshole-ish friend yeah that's that is that is probably what i remember him from most other than mm-hmm. other than salute your shorts pretty much every episode it went around like there was just random hijinks from the kids at the camp you know or different stuff that they were getting into 
into pretty diverse kind of group of kids. You know, it was you had the nerd, you had the fat kid, you had like the bully, you had females, you know, different races, you had the cute dits, the sporty girl, etc. That kind of thing. Yeah, I definitely remember thinking Dina was cute when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Dina was the brunette. She was the cutie when I was younger. One one of many. Yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't she was kind of lost in a sea of other cute girls from <laughs> Nickelodeon and Disney. So she wasn't she wasn't near the top. There were two like not really, I guess, like the main ish kid, the normal ish kid, I guess, from season one was a kid named Michael. He didn't end up coming back for season two and I don't know why if he got fired or he just you know didn't like his contract or whatever instead they got a new guy Pinsky was kind of like one of the mainish characters added to the ensemble for season two he was okay but he was kind of like he would pull some pranks and like almost like a you know that New Yorkish kind of guy who thought he was smarter than everyone else yeah usually the stuff that they did dealt with messing with Ugg the camp counselor or other just random shit Donkey Lips and Budnick Budnick in particular was kind of like a bully uh, Donkey Lips is kind of like his right hand man and they caused the most trouble. I didn't get that, though. You didn't get that? No, because to me, Donkey Lips hung out more with Sponge, who was the nerdy kid. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, you, you did see him quite a bit with Sponge. but So I only watched three episodes for this because it was... Im- incredibly hard for me to find episodes it, it was very tough that was exactly a point i was just about to make it it's not really streaming anywhere you'd have to to buy it and i just found them on youtube there were 10 episodes only 10 uh, like five from season one and five from season two available on this weird sort of nickelodeon package and so and they weren't even like all of them so i just picked three out of there in every episode i saw donkey lips was always partnered with sponge for something eh, i mean there's some of that i mean he was definitely you know with with budnick as well Okay. I watched two episodes. One where they were doing like a camp scary story. It was called Zeke the Plumber. Budnick was telling this scary story about Zeke the Plumber. They all decided to try and scare Budnick and they included donkey lips in it. And they even had to ask like, are you down for this? You know, and, and Budnick said, no, even I want to scare Budnick. So this stuff was okay. Um, the thing that I get most nostalgic for is the theme song. Yeah. Like many other stuff. We run, we jump, we swim and play. It's not a particular great theme song. Definitely not good with the singing because all the kids are doing the singing. But it just kind of, it sends me back to those episodes as a kid and watching them. And it just kind of like, you know, it's one that you could sing along with your friends. Yeah. Even now and just kind of jump onto it. I don't have a bunch to say about this show. Watching it now, I felt like it was pretty flat. I can understand that it only lasted 26 episodes. It wasn't interesting enough for me to like want to go back and watch more i can totally see how it was cute for me as a kid i mean it fits it fits very well as a kid dealing with little kids problems or things at camp kind of stuff so i wouldn't call it bad but i would definitely just say it's it's kind of flat as an adult rewatching it yes i absolutely would agree with that there were cute moments but there was not uh i had a hard time sitting through the whole thing because it's just that the humor is is kid humor Although, interestingly enough, the reason it only lasted two seasons had nothing to do with the content. Mm. It was because uh, the show taped in L.A. and Nickelodeon wanted to move them to Orlando, where their headquarters were, and they didn't want to do it. Oh, yeah. Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon Studios Orlando. Oh, man. I always wanted to go there. Yeah, I did, too. So, yeah, so that was the reason why it didn't, because the the kids were already established in L.A. and didn't want to leave, and so they just 
canceled the show. Okay. Uh, but but I, I generally agree with you. It was cute for the time. It obviously we watched it pretty religiously, so it it obviously you know held for us. I definitely remember the the theme song. And yeah, it was bad, but it seemed to be bad on purpose. Yeah. Because it's all them sort of singing campfire song style. Yeah, which it totally fits in like you know like a camp song. Like you you're you get together with your group and you sing like camp songs, and so it 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 made sense. I can't really see going back to watch it except for maybe the nostalgic factor of it. If if it was just something you just loved, but honestly, probably best if you just leave it in the past, leave it in your in your nostalgic memory. Especially because it's so hard to find. It's like this is not a show I'm going out of my way for. Right. And to get any episodes that actually look good, I'd have to like spend some legit money just to get those DVDs or something. It's not a, it's not on Netflix. It's not even on Netflix DVD sending because I have that and I couldn't get it on there. It's one you have to like work to get for. And, you know, I definitely liked it as a kid, but yeah, it's not, it's not worth my time now. I agree. I'm not going to say that the show was necessarily like a bad show. It was just a product product of its time. Cap Anawana. I don't want to. That was horrible. (laughs) This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is brought to you by Skip it. And now kids come get around. See what just skip in the town. So skip it, skip it. Do run, do jump, do hop, hop. Skip it, skip it. Skipping and a screaming and a bop, to bop. But the very best thing of all, there's a counter on this ball. So try to beat your very best score. See if you can jump a whole lot more. Skip it, skip it. Skip it and kick and spin skip it with retractable cords, each sold separately. All right, now we're going to do our casting portion of the show. And as we said at the top, we are going to cast a movie or TV version of the game Curse of Monkey Island. To kind of give a background on it, you play as this character named Guybrush Threepwood. It's very cartoony, very caricature-ish, over the top. The game was put out by Lucasfilm. I think this game came out in 97. The first one came out in 90. So there's five total, which was the first one was Secret of Monkey Island, came out in 1990. And then Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. And then Curse, which is the one that we first played when we were kids. And then there's Escape, which Escape from Monkey Island, which we also played once we got that one out. Then they had another one called Tales from Monkey Island, which I I have no idea what that one was about. I've never, I don't think I've played that one. Several years ago, they re-released Secret of Monkey Island updated because the graphic Mm -hmm. on the original game from the 90s was very 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 like 8-bit very low key so they they redid the graphics and up and redid the game i know you for a while you could get it as an app i think now you can just download it on stream and, and stuff you might still be able to get the app but curse of monkey island is the one that we were introduced to i was introduced to it by my friend alex from high school. Alex was my best friend in high oh, school. Yeah. He's the one who kind of introduced me to the whole thing. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that because it's not, not, not just John. John, myself, and our sister all love this game to death. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's very funny and crazy and over the top uh, and very silly. So Guybrush, uh, this sort of takes picks up where the, the last one left off. Guybrush has his, this girlfriend Elaine, who the pirate LeChuck, who's the main villain, also wants to marry Elaine. So the setup for this is that they kind of blow up Chuck's pirate ship. Guybrush wants to propose to Elaine, but he does so using a cursed ring that he found somewhere. Mm -hmm. And when he puts it on Elaine's finger, it turns her into a 
gold statue. Now you have to go find a way to turn her back. And so that's where a lot of the problem solving and, and puzzles and stuff come in. You have to do that. Along the way, you find out you have to go to this Islar Island, but to get there, you have to get a boat. And to get a boat, you have to get a crew. And so you meet these three guys who become your crew, who their names were Haggis McMutton. Pleasure to meet you, Guybrush. I am Haggis McMutton of the Clan McMutton. The voice of Haggis McMuggan was done by a guy named Alan Young, who we've talked about already, because he was also the voice of Scrooge McDuck in the original Ah. DuckTales. Uh, Also was in uh, the TV show Mr. Ed. He played Wilbur there. Uh, He's sort of the only big celebrity voice at a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to mention the voice of Guybrush Threepwood is very distinct in my mind from the game. My name is Guybrush Threepwood and I'm a mighty pirate. The actor or man who, or I don't know how old he was at the time, who did the voice of Guybrush Threepwood is a guy named Dominic Armado who is now a dining critic for the Arizona Republic in Phoenix. Okay. <laughs> so I uh, actually, I follow him on Twitter also because I'm a big foodie. And so when I found that out, I was like, hey, my two nerd worlds just collided right there. Yeah. Guybrush Threepwood talks about food. It's awesome. I wish he would just go around saying, I'm Dominic Armado, a mighty food critic. <laughs> <laughs> just have, Oh, that would make me so happy. So you have uh, your three crew members, which were Haggis McMutton, who's kind of like a Scottish, you know, big, strong guy. Yeah. Uh, Edward Van Helgen, who's kind of your dashing swashbuckler. That's right. Mine is the name that pirates fear the most. Edward Snugglekegs Van Helgen. And then Cutthroat Bill, which is this sort of short, scraggly-looking pirate guy, and there they become your crew. Bill, Cutthroat Bill. There's also a character called the Voodoo Lady, who just sort of helps you, and she's appeared in every game. I was struck with a wave of overwhelming hatred and anger. Yeah, that LeChuck was a pretty mean guy. I was talking about Elaine. Every island you go to, she happens to be there. I mean, you go through this whole thing, and it's really hard to describe the game. You just kind of have to play it. I mean, it's, it's so they're adventure games, but they're also puzzle games. They're kind of click-based, where you just use your mouse to click to walk him to places to, like, interact with different things. Yeah. And you have to, like, use those different objects and then to, to solve the different puzzles. The characters are really funny. The story is actually pretty fun. So we thought it, we, it would be great to kind of, you know, if we turned it into our own kind of movie. Yeah, it's, it's a definite comedy. Like yeah. the, the storylines and the voice acting is hilarious. And so this is this is 100 percent a comedy, which makes me makes me happy. Yeah. Maybe in a perfect world, I would want to if there was going to be a movie come out of this, I might want it to be animated to sort of keep the characters nature of it. But since we're kind of really in the I don't know, say business because we make no money from this. In fact, we probably lose money from this. We, we kind of were doing this thinking live more live action than we are voiceover. So the characters we're going to do are obviously. Guybrush Threepwood, our hero, LeChuck, the villain, the love interest, Elaine. Then we're also going to do the voodoo lady, Murray, who we didn't talk about yet. Murray also appears in almost all the iterations, and he's basically just a talking skull. I'm Murray, the mighty demonic skull, and I'm in need of some bones. Maybe I'll just take yours. He was like in LeChuck's army, I think. And then Guybrush kind of blew him up and now he just becomes like a skull that goes around. If you ever read a run of Deadpool where you had Deadpool's zombie head go around with Deadpool for quite a bit, it was that from from the zombie universe. I think they stole that that idea 100% from Murray. 
Like, okay. It was just kind of like gives comic relief. Murray's hilarious. He just he can't do shit, but he thinks he's a badass. <laughs> but he's he's awesome. He's he's a fan favorite character yeah. for sure. And then we're gonna do our three aforementioned crew members: Haggis, Van Helgen, and Cutthroat Bill. So a fairly long cast, but not too bad. So let's uh, let's work backwards because I obviously want to end with our hero, and we'll start with our three crew members here. So we'll start with the the littlest one, Cutthroat Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you start us off? Cutthroat Bill, he's peg-legged, he's short, he's a barber. I can't remember if you mentioned all three of them were barbers. They have their own little like barber shop, and that's where you kind of like meet them and have to like impress each one. Like for Cutthroat Bill, you have to give him I think a gold tooth, and he'll join your crew. So Cutthroat Bill, this is a comedy for me. I chose a guy who is definitely small. He's definitely funny. I think he would add some good humor. You've seen him in The Hangover and Community. I went with Ken Jong as my Cutthroat. Okay, Bill. that's unexpected, but. Neat. Yeah, I think he's he's funny. I went maybe also a little unexpected. I don't really know actually how tall or short this actor is. I just kind of figured I went with sort of attitude and I figure if they need mm. to, you know, make forced perspective or CG how short he actually is, they can go that way. I actually went with the actor Cheech Marin. Oh, okay. Okay, I can see I can see Cheech Marin doing doing fine in that that role too. He is a little bit older now, but he can play yeah. he can play kind of scruffy and gnarly, and and he definitely has the comedy chops. He could add a little something to it. Yeah, he could definitely be a part. He's yeah. I don't I don't, I don't hate that one. Okay, all right. So we, now we have Edward Van Helgen. He's kind of the he kind of looks like Captain Hook without the hook. Yeah, he's he's kind of lanky. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of skinny. Um, he's a banjoist. Uh, you you play him banjos, and you have to get him to join your crew by properly insulting him yes there's this fantastic part of the game where you have to like learn insults and you have to insult him better than he does you and and it's it's great it's a fun mechanic in the game i thought i was gonna have a hard time with this one but actually someone came to me pretty early he's actually not an actor i would go to normally because i don't watch a lot of his films i actually went with sasha baron cohen oh he would be good yeah and he's funny too i like that I like that a lot, actually. That's a really good call. Yeah, I didn't think of him, but I, you know what? I definitely, and I might like your choice better than mine. Woo-hoo. Sasha Baron Cohen. I love Sasha Baron Cohen, though. I really focused on the insult portion. <laughs> so I picked, I, I went with, you know, for my barbers, uh, for this crew, I wanted like good, funny guys. Mm-hmm. And like kind of like that fit in, uh, a little bit into their stuff. Van Helgen, I really f- honed in on the insult side. And when I think of insult comics, there's one guy who I think stands above almost everyone else i chose jimmy carr as my van helgen because he is such a good insult guy that i think he would be fucking hilarious um but i do i sasha baron cohen has the better look and he's also funny so that's probably he's also the probably the bigger better name so he's probably a better choice but i I like i like jimmy carr's comedy so that's why i went with him. i also love jimmy carr's comedy but i'm gonna agree i think i have the better better choice on that (laughs) one fine okay all right uh haggis mcmutton of the clan mcmutton of the clan mcmutton He's kind of the strong man. To me, he looked a lot like Mel Gibson's buddy, uh, Brandon Gleason's character from from Braveheart. He yeah, looked a lot yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even though he sounded like Scrooge McDuck, I actually had someone come immediately to mind, and I I really like my choice for this. He's a tall guy. He's not necessarily built so much, but you can you can work on him or or just kind of like flip him up. He's a little bit older, but he's Scottish as hell, and he's proud of it. I went with comedian 
Billy Connolly. Oh, wow. <laughs> he is older. Billy Connolly, and he's hilarious. Yeah, I thought you were going to go with someone else. I thought you were possibly going to go who I almost went with, which was Robbie Coltrane, who played Hagrid uh. Uh, in the Harry Potter series. He's big. He's Scottish. But Billy, Billy Connolly, also very much so. I like that call. I mean, I like Billy Connolly. Yeah. I went with a totally different route. I originally thought I was going to go Scottish, and so I looked up some Scottish people. So that's why I thought of Bill- Robbie Coltrane and possibly James Cosmo, who is in Braveheart and he was in Game of Thrones as Captain Mormont of the of the Wall. Oh yeah. You know, he's he's a little bit he's older as well, but but he's he's an awesome actor. I went completely different. Not Scottish at all. I still want it to be a Scottish person. You know, so my actor is I think he's probably from New York. I've never seen him do a Scottish accent or any kind of accent, <laughs> but I think it would be funny. If he and I think he would still should be Scottish, but what makes him uniquely perfect for this position is because he's a comedian and he has already been in a movie about a barbershop. I went with Cedric the Entertainer <laughs> as my Haggis McMutton. I think he would be hilarious with him as a Scottish guy, but him being like the barber and being funny as fuck. I, 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 my choice is totally different than yours, yeah. so it's kind of hard to compare them, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if I like that, and that only because <laughs> he's your strong man, and you have to defeat him by a feat of strength. Yeah, I mean Cedric's big. Yeah, but I just I don't think he's a little bit more fat than he is. I, I, that's the thing. I just don't think of him as like the strong man i i don't I, i'm gonna say i don't like that one i'm sorry but billy Connolly's like 290 years old like that does i mean that's it's just as bad of a casting no i, I don't i don't agree with that <laughs> i don't think he's what that a, old he's, he's maybe he's like 280 <laughs> years old i don't know he, he's close murray our talking skull obviously this is gonna be cg or puppet i'd love it if it was puppet but yeah that would be kind of fun me i'm gonna jump in with this one i actually really like my pick i i thought i was gonna have a hard time with this one because anyone who's played the game knows murray and he doesn't play a huge role in the game but he pops up everywhere and he's just sort of like a yeah he's a huge part of the game but i think i settled on someone i really like because it would need to be somebody who could be funny this guy is hilarious he's played a pirate Sort of. He's voiced a pirate. Everyone knows him as being the ultimate man's man. I went with Nick Offerman. Uh, I can't see it. I don't know. I like Nick. Uh, Nick Offerman's good. I could see him more as Haggis McMutton than I see him as Murray. I don't know. I'm not sold on that one. I like mine much better. Did you see the Lego movie? Yeah, I saw the Lego he movie. He does the voice of the pirate. Oh, okay. I don't know. That didn't come to my mind, though. <laughs> I let my ch- Because my choice is so much better. That's why. You're going to hear my choice, and then you're going to be like, fuck yeah, you win. It's just, I know you will. Murray is, as you said, demonic skull. He's just the skull. And so it's all about the voice. As decent of a voice as Nick Offerman has, to me, I was thinking all about the demonic laugh. (laughs) Murray has a good demonic laugh and you've got to have a good evil voice. And when I think of like good laughs for voices, maybe like recent cartoons or not even recent, like early 90s and whatnot, I think of Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. And so I chose Kelsey Grammer as my Murray, and I think he would be perfect. He would be fantastic. I wanted to hate your pick. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. Okay. But I'm not going to give you the satisfaction (laughs) of thinking it is better, because I think Nick Offerman would do just as good of a job. Uh He does quite a bit of voice work. Probably, I don't think you really know the breadth of what Nick Offerman has to offer, what he does. Probably. Because I I think you would agree more that he could be a good choice. I'm not saying your choice 
is bad. Yeah. But I'm not saying your choice is better. I'm saying my choice is better. I like Nick Offerman plenty. Kelsey Grammer is more established as a voice actor, and he does fantastic with everything just like cause this. Just because he did Sideshow Bob? Not just, I mean, he's done other stuff as well, but Sideshow Bob is like a perfect representation for Murray when you think about it. Uh I'm not sold. I'm not sold. You are sold, and you're just trying to be an asshole. (laughs) I know you. I know you love my pick. We're moving on. Okay. Uh, Voodoo Lady. Mm -hmm. Uh, Voodoo Lady just kind of pops up here and there, just helps you along in the adventure. Um, But she has popped up in, I think, all of the iterations of the game. Yeah. She's a little sassy. There's a wide breadth of people who could fill this role. I'm going to be hard pressed to like have a big argument on this one Mm -hmm. because I think anyone we choose will probably fit. Yeah. I mean, Voodoo Lady is, is a fine character, but she's not as beloved as Murray so like we're much right. more I'm much more passionate about my Murray choice than I am my voodoo lady choice uh, yes. agreed uh so I went with a great actress who's been in a lot of different films you'll recognize her as soon as you see her name she does have a little unusual uh name though I actually went with the actress CCH Pounder that's a good name <laughs> Pounder <laughs> absolutely recognize her okay yeah yeah, yeah. she's a good actress yeah, she I... pops up as a character actress in all different kinds yeah. of stuff I, yeah I don't hate that as you as you put it, Priestess is kind of a little bit sassy. She knows her curses and her magic, you know, helping out Guybrush on different parts of his journey. Uh, I went with an actress who's funny, definitely sassy. I would love to see her in more things, particularly because the last few seasons of Parks and Rec, I think, is really where she started shining, and I would love to see her more. So I went with uh, the actress who played Donna on Parks and Rec, and, and her name is Retta. Yeah, she just goes by, like, the single name Retta. She has a lot of comedy chops. She can definitely bring, like, the sass and the sarcasm which like she did in Parks and Rec. So that's who I went with. That's not a bad pick. I like her. I like Retta. I thought she was hilarious on Parks and Rec. It is a little bit of a different vibe from CCH Pounder because you usually see her CCH in more sort of serious yeah, roles. Yeah, yeah, but she could do um, it, I'm sure. I'm sure she could do it. Yeah, I, I agree. This one's going to be kind of like a toss-up in that either person you put in there is going to bring their personality to it. All right, so now we're kind of getting to our main ones. All right, our love interest, the lovely Elaine Marley. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear your pick yeah. first. Elaine, she's like also a bit of a badass. She's the governor of the Tri-Island area. Everything that Guybrush thinks he wants to be as a pirate, kind of Elaine is, is that awesome. Mm-hmm. But she's... Also, this is a comedy, so I stuck with like a comedic actress. So I went with someone who she was in Ghostbusters Answer the Call and she's on SNL. She's not like a huge player. From what I've seen her in, I like her. Her name is Cicely Strong. I think she's she's funny and she's good. And I think she's got a look that I want for my Elaine. All right. I don't really, I don't recognize her anything. So I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to, to give an opinion just because <laughs> I, she's got, I mean, she's got a good look. She could obviously pay, yeah. mm-hmm. but I, I don't know her work. So I, I kind of apologize on that part because I really don't know her. I went with someone who is having a pretty good year. I think she's regularly on the TV show Atlanta with uh, Donald Glover. She just played the part of Domino in Deadpool 2. I went with Zazie Beetz. Yeah, that's a good call, call too. Zazie's solid. She was also funny in Deadpool 2. I haven't seen any of Atlanta, yes. but I mean, I, I've heard it's a very good show. I don't want to say you win, but you might, <laughs> you might win. Uh, Zazie, she's young though. She's she's probably what twenty five. That's not that that big of a deal. Though. That's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's really not. Good choice. Good choice. I was yeah when I was when I was watching Deadpool two. I was just like, man, Domino is cute. Well, I just wanted to be like, yeah, 
she man, she is very attractive. But she was also yeah. very funny, and she was badass in that show or badass yeah. in that movie. To me, she stood out in Deadpool two like Brianna Hildebrand did in Deadpool one because we didn't see a lot of Negasonic Teenage Warhead in Deadpool two. No, very minimal. So we kind of Domino sort of played that role. So I really like. I thought she could do well in this. Yeah. All right, our two big, our big bad, and our big good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do LeChuck. He's a zombie pirate. (laughs) Yes. Lots of people can do this. Lots of people have played pirates. A few people have played zombie pirates. Yeah. This could go a lot of different ways. Even though it is kind of comedic, they do have to be a little bit intimidating. Mm -hmm. I went with an actor who's played one of the most intimidating characters I've ever seen in a movie. Even though he's probably best known for playing a crustacean, Ah. (laughs) I picked Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Oh, I love Clancy Brown. I can't hate Clancy. And he's got a great voice. Yeah. You can't hate on Clancy Brown. No, I can't. I can't. I mean, that's a good... Good choice. I don't know if it's better than mine. I don't I don't think it's better than mine, but I don't I'm never gonna shit on Clancy Brown. You know what? Yeah, good good choice, John. Clancy Brown's good. Woo-hoo. Similar reasons I went with a guy who could do some comedy, particularly you saw some of this comedy chops in the full Monty. Uh LeChuck being a zombie pirate. LeChuck has a good beard, and this actor had a good beard. Uh you've actually cosplayed as this character before, Robert Baratheon on Game oh. of Thrones. I went with Mark Addy as my LeChuck. Okay. He, he can he can have like an intimidating voice. I mean, you've heard it in yes, he Robert can. Baratheon and he he can have that kind of like feel to him, but then also he's done comedy with Full Monty and other some of his other films. I like I like Mark Addy as a choice as well. He is a solid pick and he would do well. It's hard to say who a studio would go with. Yeah. Probably Clancy cuz he's more well known, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. People ride that Game of Thrones train, man. It's, that's that's yeah. true. Uh, my the very first actor who I wanted to go with like and I almost like didn't even double check how old he was is John Reese Davies who played Gimli and then oh, yeah, and yeah. he was the first one I was like oh him and then I saw that he's like 75 years old <laughs> so yeah. I was like damn he's a little if, if I got him like 10 15 years ago he would he'd be perfect but not not now no that and that probably would have you know in his prime yeah that probably would have been a good a good choice I'm happy with Mark Addy I'm happy with Clancy Brown I hope you're happy with both as well I can accept them okay we'll take it uh now our our uh, dashing hero Guybrush Threepwood I have very hard time with this because yeah. I always just think of of Dominic Armato's voice yeah. as Guybrush. It was going to be very difficult. I'm going to go ahead and tell you mine, partly because I'm not that confident in it. Okay. Um, and I kind of went back and forth between a couple people. And if you don't like who I picked, I'll tell you who my other pick was, even though I I think I still think this one is better. Guybrush is kind of lanky and thin. He's kind of got a high, whiny voice. I didn't. Um, I don't necessarily associate those qualities with this actor, but this actor can kind of do that. I needed somebody who's a little bit younger, although he is actually not terribly young. I think he's in his mid thirties now, but he could probably skew into his you know younger twenties or so. I actually went with Jesse Eisenberg. Okay, I, I I saw him. I didn't really consider him, but like he's a good actor. He could he could make something work. I don't I don't hate Jesse Eisenberg in that choice. Yeah. I'm hoping you're gonna blow me away with something here because I actually wasn't uh, that confident in mine. I'm not. I'm not. I I don't love Jesse Eisenberg, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to blow you away because I had trouble. Okay. I had trouble with my guy brush as well because it's really hard for me to separate that voice and just like that exact look from the game with my guy brush and someone who's kind of skinny, who's kind of 
kind of, yeah, kind of like a bit of a goofus. Uh, so I went with somebody who is funny. He's actually more of a stand-up comedian than he is an actor, but he is like an it man right now in stand-up comedy. Um, he's a bit of a brunette, and so I would want to, I'd want to dye his hair blonde to make it fit Guybrush a little bit more. Guybrush also has like a weird confidence about him. Like even though, yeah. even though he's a goofus, like he's confident. So the guy who I chose, I feel has like a lot of confidence in his stand-up and he's just a funny dude. Yeah, he's, he's really big right now. I went with John Mulaney as my Guybrush Threepwood. He's got some very funny uh, specials on Netflix. I highly recommend them. He's got like kind of like the lankiness to him and he's he's a really big comic right now. All the kids love him, <laughs> but he is funny. <laughs> All the kids love him. I have not seen his comedy, but I like the look of him. I think he looks a little bit closer to what I would imagine a Guybrush would be than maybe even Jesse Eisenberg. I definitely like him. I think I think I definitely like your choice better on this one. I'll, I'll take just, it. But... Just based on the look. Yeah. Just based on the look. Because I've never actually seen his comedy. I'm not even going to bother telling you what my backup was because I don't. I, I really don't think it's going to fit. So Yeah. All right. I'll kind of defer to you on that one. We had. I think it's funny that the one that we had the most passionate <laughs> disagreement about was, was the talking skull. We should we should have ended with Murray because, yeah, everything else we were like, <laughs> eh, fine. <laughs> but anyway that is our casting of curse of monkey island please join us next time for our one year anniversary episode we take you back in time with a full breakdown of bill and ted's excellent adventure a review of the tv show quantum leap and we recast Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at blastpastcast. That's at blastpastcast on both Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.